Today on the show, we discuss a man and his son, and how they mold the future of the entire galaxy. Welcome to Gom Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And I want to say right now... Right away. Right away. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> so many spoilers. So many spoilers. Uh... If you have not read uh, Dune, if you've heard of it, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, and probably God Emperor of Dune. Definitely God Emperor of Dune. Yeah, let's include that in the list. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely God Emperor of Dune. If you haven't read those four books, I first of all recommend you read them because they're superb. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now that I've recommended you read them, stop listening <laughs> yeah if you have it that is the bare minimum that you need to know coming into today's episode and we we are being extremely cautious about this at the very top yeah because quite literally anything we can and will say in this episode is going to be a spoiler if you are excited about the upcoming danny villeneuve blockbuster film if you are excited to dive into the dune novels for the first time Check out our other episodes. Today is not for you. Right. And we will have more episodes for you. So don't panic. You can always come back and listen to this later on. Save it as a treat for a rainy day. I love Dune, obviously, but these four books are some of the best books I've ever read. So I really, yeah, that's, I think we've made it clear. Hopefully you've made your decision to stay or not. Yes. But yes, today we are talking about Paul Atreides mm -hmm. and his son, Leto II. Uh, Leto II. Leto II. <laughs> Leto, but again, but a, a second time. <laughs> what iconic characters, Leo. Uh, I'm pretty stoked about this episode. This was, yeah. this is an episode I've been wanting to do for quite a while, actually, since probably around when we started Gam Jabbar. Yeah. I love Paul and Leto II. And... Maybe love is too strong a word. I'm definitely <laughs> going to be walking some of that back later in the episode. Yeah. But as characters, I'm totally intrigued by them. Yeah. They're incredibly well-written. They're incredibly intriguing characters. And yeah. they're obviously not one note. But beyond that, they're so complex, yeah. even as yeah. fully realized three-dimensional characters, that <laughs> it's probably going to take us the next hour or so to really <laughs> dive into who they are, what they do, yeah. what their legacies are, and how they treated probably the most important part of them, their prescient powers. I think there's a lot to be gained from comparing the two and looking at what are Paul's shortcomings and mm -hmm. how do those then reflect on the choices that Leto II makes and vice versa, right? Like where, where do Leto's actions, do we think they fall short and how does that reflect on Paul and and they are intertwined and it is really hard, <laughs> especially with Alito. It is really hard to separate them <laughs> for reasons that are probably known to all of us listening. But we'll get into it and we'll break it down. And yeah, no, I 
this was your idea, Abu, and I think this is, I'm excited to have this conversation. And from the notes that we have, I think we might disagree on some things. So I'm yeah. excited to uh, get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. I, I I agree that we will probably disagree on some things coming ahead, which is always fun. It's always fun to sort of bounce uh, opposing ideas off of each totally. other. Yeah. But before we really get into the nitty gritty, I figured we should maybe give our listeners a very very brief brief being the operative word refresher on just who Paul and Leto are in case it's been a while. But right. obviously, this is a spoiler episode, like we said at the top. And we are going to be moving forward on the assumption that you kind of know a lot of this and we are just giving you a friendly reminder and refresher. Right, right. We are obviously not giving a comprehensive overview of who Paul and Leto II are. But sure. uh, here's something to jog your memory. Yeah. Let's start with Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is the son of Duke Leto Atreides. He is the future Atreides Duke and, well, uh, as we find out, emperor of the known universe <laughs> casual uh it's an upgrade yeah. definitely he was promoted from uh-huh. duke's son to emperor of reality <laughs> he's also the first that we know of the first oh i know i'm gonna say this wrong quisats hatterack yeah that i don't know i feel like you nailed that leo oh. quisats hatterack quisats hatterack you know it's the it's the word that you read over and over and over again and you go I'm never going to have to say that out loud. And then your buddy Abu reaches out and you start a <laughs> podcast together and it's just panic. All of it's panic. Right, right. He's the first known Kwisatz Haderach that we see in the Dune timeline. And eventually, also the preacher. So yeah, I, I try to be called just Leo, but it seems like Paul is really going for as many titles as possible. Just so many. So many titles. Definitely. Really giving um, Daenerys from Game of Thrones a run for her money with all the titles here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, first of his name. So that's Paul in brief. And of course, if you've read Dune and Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, you know that he eventually leads the Fremen people against his bitter rivals, the Harkonnens. Right. He overthrows the Carino Emperor, the Padishah Emperor, at the end of the first Dune novel, yep. becomes, like you said, the Emperor of the Known Universe, and then inevitably, as he saw in his visions, <laughs> unleashes a bloody, brutal, and deadly jihad across the galaxy in his name, a religious jihad that just sweeps the galaxy. The scale of which cannot be understated <laughs> cannot be understated we've covered that in a previous episode but it is just it's wild just wild how many people his jihad kills and paul underst- understands this as well a lot of dune messiah yeah. is him full of regret trying to tame this thing he's unleashed and feeling like he's losing control yeah. we'll get into that a little bit but in children of dune fast forwarding a bit after he goes out into the desert of course he becomes the preacher and in his old age he begins to preach against the corruption that he sees in the empire that he built the corruption that he sees his sister alia abuse and use across the galaxy and it's kind of a sad way for paul to end but ultimately he does die on the orders of his sister alia as the preacher and that's where we Pick up with Leto the second, his son. A happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so Leto the second is the uh, son of Paul Atreides, and kind of surprise, one of twins 
you know, yeah. shocker to actually Paul, who thought he could see the future pretty well. <laughs> Pranks, jokes on you, idiot. <laughs> so Leto the second, right? He's the son of Paul and Shani, born a Quisatch. Hat- oh, missed a Quisatch Hatterack. He's he's uh, as the sisterhood would call him pre. What is it? Pre-aware? Pre? Yes. I forget the exact terminology, but I think you're right. Like sort of pre-aware or pre-cognizant. Pre-born. He's basically like fully cognizant in the womb, which sounds terrifying. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. Well, again, to have access to all other memories before you're even born. (laughs) But, you know, gotta love Frank's writing. Oh, yeah. It gets weirder. I mean, that's like the baseline weird (laughs) for him. (laughs) Yeah, that's still pretty vanilla. That's like vanilla Frank. And, uh... Then grows up, mm-hmm. ends up God Emperor and Tyrant of the Universe. Hell yeah. So, you know. He, I think he's got his dad beat on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's got his dad beat in a lot of ways, uh, which we'll talk about. In a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, a brief, again, overview of Leto's life. He grew up on C.H. Tabur, and Alia was ruling as regent in his stead while he and his sister came of age and could inherit the Empire. Obviously, that's sort of what happened right leto is the victim of assassination attempts he survives one by house carino in children of dune yeah and then he travels out into the desert in search of the preacher and a place called jakaratu yeah i think is the pronunciation there i think so jakaratu on this sort of desert journey he's captured by fremen outlaws he's force-fed a bunch of spice which activates his innate prescient powers that he inherited from his father at his mother's order no at his grandmother's order that was jessica's will right yes at 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 the order of his grandmother jessica who is paul's mom and this unlocks his innate prescient powers that he inherited from his father these spice trances reveal to him the countless paths yes. of human extinction, Leo. Yep. He sees multiple ways humanity is about to go extinct. Yeah. And only a single way that humanity can survive. And he names this the golden path. And this be- kind of becomes his life's work. Yeah. Getting humanity on the golden path and making sure humanity survives. To do this... <laughs> <laughs> but, Abu, what is a young boy with a young boy body... Couldn't even say it. How's he gonna? <laughs> how's but he can only jump what a couple feet forward? That's yeah, not good. Yeah, he should be able to jump <laughs> thousands of feet. When the golden path is revealed to him, you're right, Leo. He's just a preteen. What is a boy to do? Yeah, nothing to save humanity from extinction. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. Sucks. So Little he boy. decides that he <laughs> needs to fuse with a sandworm. Easy. Becomes part worm, part human. <laughs> And this gives him superhuman abilities, uh, super strength. He can jump really far. Uh, Obviously, he's super strong. I have never yelled at a book as much as I did during those pages. Yeah. I just was positive that I was misreading something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, exactly. You're reading that chapter in Children of Dune, and you're kind of just like, what? 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 No. No. (laughs) What? No. So crazy. But... He does this in order to, again, achieve the golden path. That is his life's mission. Yeah. Uh, becoming part worm also, we might discuss this a little little later on, <laughs> potentially gives him immortality. That's sort of a toss-up, but his life is definitely extended much longer than a normal human's, for sure. 
Right. So part worm, part human, Leto II overthrows his sister Alia and declares himself the emperor yeah. of the known universe and rules for the next 3,500 years. It's a long time. As he meticulously guides humanity on this golden path to make sure that they survive and don't go extinct. So that is Paul and Leto II in brief. So now that we've kind of refreshed a little bit of the two prescient MVPs of Truly. Dune humanity history, it's really the prescience that a lot of this relies on. Yeah. So we need to talk about their prescient powers. And to do that, we, we probably should start with Paul. And we should talk about Paul's prescient powers, again, with this lens of kind of being aware of both of their journeys. And then, of course, how Paul's experience as this Kwisatz Haderach, uh, I think I'm saying it different every time, <laughs> as his experience sort of shapes then the possibilities for Leto. So starting with Paul, he is the first Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, exactly. He's the OG ketchup horseradish. And like he has ultimate... <laughs> <laughs> what? Excuse me? <laughs> Ketchup horseradish? <laughs> oh, I get what you did. Okay, yeah. You get it? You yeah. get it? <laughs> He's the first caterpillar headache. And uh <laughs> There you go. You got it. I got it. Wow. Man. I should have maybe built up to that joke, but I really went for the punchline way too early. <laughs> That was like a joke I should have made like 50 minutes into the recording and not like 15 oh, minutes. God. I That went so far over my head. I was waiting for an explanation of what a ketchup horseradish is. Uh, I'm tearing up. Yeah. He's the first, uh, he's the first Kawasaki uh, ha hamburger. And he's got ultimate vision of past, present, and future. Yeah. And, and this is utterly unprecedented right like the reverend mothers who have sort of have him as part of their machinations they can see so much of the past but only on the kind of female line mm -hmm. he by their design can see all of both sides all, all of his male and female ancestors and their right his own genetic path which right you know across 20 plus thousand years of human history is a lot of people it's a so. lot, it's, a lot. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of people and he naturally and i is isn't this like an atreides thing like a it was a future sensitivity a prescient innate prescient ability that was also part of this that is utterly heightened by his uh taking of the water of life um and again this is utterly unprecedented there was a plan for it mm -hmm. this is part of a plan but no one really could have anticipated the full breadth of the effect of seeing that much history and seeing that much future at all no no one could have predicted right right and these powers that make paul special also haunt him for basically the rest of his life right like leo imagine yeah that you can see past present and future yeah and multiple ways like multiple visions and paths of the future that sounds cool for like just a hot second right on the surface level you're like oh cool yeah i could figure out the winning lotto for next week and 
become a gazillionaire and then blah, blah. And I could predict the X and Y and yada, yada. And it sounds really cool. Right. And it sounds like the, like a sci-fi movie starring Bradley fucking Cooper. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Right. But then you really think about it. And Frank definitely thought about it. He thought about it over thousands of pages and multiple <laughs> books. Yeah. And it is horrific. Yeah. Imagine constantly seeing the infinite ways that your loved ones can and will die, yeah. depending on the path that yeah, history and fate and humanity takes. Yeah. That's just one example of what Paul sees and what haunts him, particularly in Messiah. He sees the way his beloved, his Chani, will die. Yeah. He sees the ways that humanity could die. He sees if he, as the emperor, as the ruler of the known universe, makes a misstep. Right. Yeah. How his jihad could go out of control, which he's trying to rein in. How the empire could collapse. How humanity could go extinct. Those are big sort of emperor duties. But on a very personal level, I'm sure he sees also the way his family and his friends and his loved ones can and will die. Yeah. That is horrific. Imagine just constantly seeing that because it's just the powers you have now. Also, because so much of Dune is Paul seeing these visions of bloodshed and then actively, intellectually rejecting them and saying, no, I don't want this. No, I don't want this jihad. I don't want the Atreides banners to be flown over this much bloodshed. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. But then every step of the way, it's just becoming more and more inevitable. Imagine that same sense of finality and that same sense of there, nothing I can do will prevent this thing that I've seen. Imagine that finality with loved ones dying, you know, like yeah. if you knew that your friend was going to get hit by a car or something really dark and really like fucked up like that, but you couldn't do anything about it. It's you know, on some levels, it's powerful, but on other levels, like how much choice did he have? And right. Obviously, that's a much bigger question than we can address while only talking about Paul. But Paul also didn't know the answer to that. And that's really part of the tragedy is he, he again, unprecedented. That's what we're talking about. No one could say, hey, Paul, this happened 800 years ago and this is what they did. He's he's figuring it out. He's behind the wheel, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I love that analogy. He's literally the first person in human history in tens of thousands of years yeah. to drive the prescient car. Yeah. yeah. And there's no manual of how to do this. He has to learn and figure this out as he goes. And as we'll see, and as we'll discuss, he makes mistakes. Yeah. And those mistakes yeah. can be costly for himself, his loved ones, and ultimately humanity. Something the novels really hint at and kind of expand on later as you move past Dune Messiah is this idea of free will. And I'm kind of interested to get into this with you, Leo. Yeah. There's this idea and the Benny Gesserit sort of talk about this in a lot of their sort of codexes and histories and right. uh, analyses of Paul as a historical figure in hindsight. But there's this idea that Paul's visions, because like, let's say Paul sees 10 different visions to really like minimize this. Right. He sees 10 different ways humanity could go down. He decides, cool. I like what's behind curtain number three. Right. That's the way I'm going to push humanity to go. Yeah. Is he taking free will away from the rest of humanity and forcing it down a path that he knows? Is he locking humanity into whatever path he chooses? Right, right, right. That's kind of a wild thought to think. If you follow that logic to its conclusion, 
in essence, Paul, because of his powers and because of his ability to choose the path, right, might be like the only person with free will? Yeah. Question mark? Well, so here's a really small example that demonstrates this. If Paul is playing rock, paper, scissors with someone, yeah, and if he looks into the future and sees them choosing paper or them choosing scissors, and then he chooses which future he wants to provoke through his actions, he has removed from them the ability to choose. Exactly. And on a galactic scale, this is effectively what he was looking at doing. And obviously, again, he, he's limited. He made mistakes. We will talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But I never thought about it this way when reading the books. But when he was looking at these future possibilities and kind of fighting against them, but also kind of inevitably making them happen, he was removing from people the ability to let anything else happen. And that's crazy. Sucks that the only person in the universe who has free will is like utterly incapable of making a different choice. Yeah. That what a what a Greek tragedy, you know? What a Greek tragedy. Yeah, you you're totally right. When when we were scripting this episode and discussing it, you brought up the idea that like, yeah, I guess Paul has free will, but like how much really, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. He's the emperor, like there are a thousand people trying to assassinate him. He has people like the the Quisarate, his religious order, right? Right. They have made him into a god and now pilgrims from across the galaxy show up to see him and he has to give them a speech like he doesn't really have a choice there right he hates it he he talks to johnny on multiple occasions and says like i hate this godhood that they've bestowed upon me <laughs> yeah i never asked to be anyone's god but that's the path we're on and it doesn't matter if i walked out the door and left tomorrow they would still continue to worship me in name that's just sort of the path humanity has taken because of my choices and i have no choice in but to like follow it and try to mold it in whatever way i can so even with this crazy thought that his prescient powers right make him possibly the only person able to push humanity in a certain direction beyond that he's also playing in this like political theater where there are a thousand forces pushing his choices yeah i mean it's hard to wrap your mind around honestly because you, you have to think about like choice and free will and time travel and yeah who's making who and who's pressuring who and it's it's absolutely wild and of course like we said earlier this is all new to paul he is figuring it out as he goes that is a huge responsibility an example that i i like to bring up to try and like wrap your head around <laughs> yeah paul's powers is the stone burner scene in messiah i think this is a scene both you and i love this like makes it clearer and also not not more confusing, but definitely it challenged my application of prescience. Yeah. You know, I imagined prescience as a very far out thing. What's hap what's gonna happen next month? What's gonna happen ten years from now, you know? Mm -hmm. He gets blinded by a nuclear explosion, <laughs> his eyes melt, and he just projects a future vision a second into the future around him. And through prescience mm -hmm. sees. And that's how he sees. Okay. <laughs> you know, what a, I mean, again, a lot of what we're talking about right now is, is kind of Paul's limitations, but also what a fucking flex. Oh my gosh. I gotta say, I had some real tingles when people were going, he's blind. What? Oh my God, his eyes. And he like reaches out and puts his hand on their shoulder and he's going, I can see. 
don't worry. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, my God. Right, right. Like goosebumps. He's like signing documents and papers. And <laughs> he flies an ornithopter at one point. Yeah. He's blind. He flew in. And no one tells him no because he's the fucking emperor. <laughs> God, talk about cementing a religion <laughs> yeah i'd listen i'd join i mean if someone if someone did that i'd be like well all right yeah what's your religion called i'm part of it now <laughs> right water to wine get out of here that dude's blind and he's flying a helicopter yeah, that parlor tricks that guy flew a helicopter he flew <laughs> right. a or heart mollusk <laughs> yeah absolutely wild the, you're right that this scene really puts his prescience in context but i think it also shows a flaw here and this kind of harkens back to this idea that Whatever path Paul is choosing, he's sort of locking humanity in. Right. I actually, I pulled a quote from the encyclopedia that I want to read because I think it, it puts it pretty eloquently. Sure. The quote says, now that he bludgeoned uncertainty into submission, he believed he could pick a route for himself that he knew would work out the way he intended. What he could not have known was the consequence of bringing absolute certainty to human affairs. Yeah. And I think that's a really succinct way of putting what you and I have been saying for the last 10 minutes. Right. Like this idea that uncertainty is just part of being human, right? I don't know what's going to happen in the next second. We're all sort of riding this roller coaster together. The idea that one man can for certain know and also choose a path is absolutely mind boggling. And the consequences of that, Paul doesn't know or doesn't realize. And the more he narrows his vision, and I think particularly after this stone burner scene, to bring it back to that, right. he's now constantly using his prescience, yeah. which means every second that he is projecting prescience to be able to see, to fly the helicopter, to put a hand on someone's shoulder, that is the path he's choosing for humanity also. Not just the path for his hand or the path for the helicopter, but when he chooses to see that path, he chooses it for humanity. Yeah. And I think that's wild to think that after he goes blind, he's using his prescient. It's like on like a light bulb forever. And he's constantly choosing and he's kind of doing it willy nilly, not knowing the consequences of what his choices might be. One of the things that is made clear through the book is that not all prescient projections are equal. Very true. You know, when Leto talks about using his prescience, he says he doesn't really look very far ahead because of this trap and again i'm kind of getting ahead of myself but as much as you are totally right you know he's constantly using this prescient vision to see around himself and to continue his immediate affairs i don't know if that's as damaging if we're looking at humanity's free will in the grand scheme of things i don't know if that's as damaging as his early very far prescient visions and the choices he made in order to survive with Jessica in the desert with the Fremen, but also in taking the Empire and becoming the Emperor. I, I agree that it's the light bulb's always on and it's constantly, you know, suddenly all over the universe. People are rolling dice and random is no longer existing. It's just whatever is part of Paul's vision. Mm -hmm. But we're only looking four or five seconds forward. So all of this leads up, by the way, to chani having twins right right which he doesn't see which he doesn't see a surprise for the man who sees all how crazy is that yeah and what a moment this is also a revelation to me where there's this element of <laughs> he's like putting his hand out to put it on uh stillgar's shoulder and stillgar's there 
Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if that were someone else? He's like, don't worry, my brother Stilgar. I'm here. And it's like, actually, I'm John. Uh, Stilgar is over there. <laughs> awkward. Ooh. Right. That's awkward for you and me if we like recognize someone on the street that's the wrong person, right? Yeah. Imagine if you're the emperor, the, the religious figurehead yeah. and emperor of the known fucking universe and you make that mistake. What if his prescient vision had diverged while flying the ornithopter and he just oh crashed in a mouth? He's like, guys, I've got this. They're like, wow, he's doing really well. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, oh, Who's no. going to be the one to sir, tell him? Sir, Oh, fuck. That's a mountain. That's a mountain. Sir, sir I, he sees it. He's got a plan. Oh, no. <laughs> Tragic. It's a shorter book series. It's a very short book series. Right. But, but I think the point we're making is Paul's visions aren't perfect. And Chani having twins. Right, right, right. And Paul being shocked by that is an example. There are subtle hints throughout Messiah that's hints at things being slightly different than the way Paul sees them. And the encyclopedia's explanation of this is actually really interesting. And here's another quote that I'm going to throw at you. I got a lot of quotes today. I'm excited. From the encyclopedia. Yes. Because this narrowing flood... Fuck. (laughs) 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 Fuck. I can't read. I should close my eyes and just allow my prescience to bring the words to me. I I believe in you. (laughs) Once again, in the encyclopedia. Because this narrowing brought a flood of detail, and because the focus on one corridor of time blurred the existence of other corridors, he became unable, in spite of the fantastic powers that he possessed, to see the broader context of infinite temporary strands. Yeah. And that kind of feeds into the point I was making earlier about the stone burner and his blindness because he's narrowing his focus. Like you mentioned earlier, he's not thinking broadly on like an empire scale on the future of humanity scale. Right. right, He's thinking like, where is Stilgar Stilgar's shoulder in the one second ahead where my hand will touch it. So I don't look like an idiot. So I don't look like a fool (laughs) and put put her on John's disgusting shoulder instead. Gross. John sucks. (laughs) It's always so sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) This is, not spacing guild member john though this is a different john no different john right we need we kind of come up with more names <laughs> i i feel bad because i threw that name out there and steven <laughs> steven, steven right steven with the disgusting shoulder there we go Ugh, gross steven take a shower so paul's prescience isn't perfect because he's narrowing that scope more and more right and the more he narrows it I liked this corridor example that the encyclopedia used the more he narrows it the more the broader scope of sort of temporary paths that humanity could take or the future could take become blurred. Interestingly enough, the more he narrows, the more he focuses, the more detailed the path that he's focused on becomes, which in turn becomes a feedback loop. And he thinks, oh, this is the future we're on. Like, you know, he sort of right. tricks himself. Again, he doesn't know how prescience works. Right. He He's like, oh yeah, look, this path is in 4K. <laughs> that path is an SD. Ew, yeah. 4K must be the one we have to, we're headed on. It's way better. But 4K just happens to be the one he's focusing on. So he's sort of tricking himself into thinking the more detailed path, right. the one that he's narrowly focused on, is the one that will happen. And Chani having twins was over there on the standard definition path. Right. And it right. totally blindsided him and caught him off guard. No pun intended, <laughs> but it blindsided him. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's really interesting seeing the limitations of Paul's power as well. I think it's important for us to note that. And we've we've talked about these incredible, unprecedented powers that he has. But as he's learning to drive the prescience car, he's also starting to sort of veer off the road. And uh, it's it's all very new and confusing. And he's he's not exactly grasping it fully. And I don't think anyone really does until his son, Leto II. But Paul makes a number of mistakes here. His vision starts to narrow. He loses the concept of broader prescience in favor of like a very small corridor of prescience. So it, it's interesting. He he kind of falters his way through this power. And you can't blame him, right? To be fair, no one's ever done this before. There's no rule book for this. Right, right. Yeah. He's also like a pretty young guy when this happens. It happens to him while he's a teenager. And it's like... <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. You know, puberty was scary enough for me, but prescience? <laughs> Jesus. I know. <laughs> Think about 19-year-old Leo trying to prescient his way through a galactic empire. <laughs> it's just, that's, again, a very short book series. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we, we can't put too much blame on Paul for misunderstanding how prescience works or right. misusing or abusing it in the wrong way. So when Leto the Second is born and like helps his dad with the sickest knife kill ever <laughs> which is like still just such a baffling scene later the second immediately establishes himself as a far more powerful individual than paul was and it becomes apparent that later the second is a quisat's bandersnatch he's also got this kind of quality about him he's got the same he's got a lot of the same powers he's got the same genetic skill set but with this fremen uh what's it called the 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 benny jesuit talk about this a lot the unknown element or the wild element of yeah the wild gene in their in their like generations long genetic breeding program this fremen this chani that introduces an unknown gene into the pool right and and it's so hard to exactly articulate what Leto the second would have been capable of if he hadn't gone down this golden path the way he did yeah as he in this path becomes cognizant of the way forward he adopts these uh worm powers registered trademark <laughs> and this this transformation in a lot of ways makes it hard to compare Leto the second with Paul in in what they are or are not capable of but also this is kind of rendered moot because Paul is fully alive in Leto the second as a dominant uh it, it's a dominant persona but it's it, he's a passive one or yeah. a protective guardian one or something suffice it to say the father-son relationship between Paul and Leto yeah complicated <laughs> yeah Paul lives inside Leto's head as another conscience and it's he can tap into that. And at one point in God Emperor of Dune, he starts using Paul's voice against Moneo, or maybe it was against Duncan. And Jessica, which is like the fucking funniest flex. Oh, right. He freaks out Jessica, too, by using... Actually, I don't think it's Paul's voice. He uses her dead husband's voice. Oh, shit. Right. You're right. Oscar Isaac. Later the first. Yeah. So it it's a complicated relationship, to, this, to say the least. Yeah. But you're right. It's hard to compare the two. Yeah. But at their core, they're both Kwisatz Haderach. They both have prescient abilities, past, present, future, all accessible to them. Right. And then Leto, on top of that, chooses to, again, use his worm powers, trademark pending, (laughs) to get strength, speed, potentially 
immortality of some sense. Right. And like the only weakness that we eventually learn in God Emperor is his weakness and aversion to water, like other worms. So Leto is fundamentally different from his father, but at their core, they have the same powers. What's interesting is Leto learns from the mistakes of his father. Right. He's much, much more cautious about prescience. Yeah. At the start of Children of Dune, he's worried that the voices in his head, the other conscience, the uh, his right. thousands, hundreds of thousands of genetic ancestors who live inside his head will take over and he will become abomination like his aunt alia yeah clearly does the baron harkonnen in her brain takes over yeah and he's afraid of that so he him and ganima both don't take spice because they know it might activate something inside them that they've inherited from their father right they are very cautious about when and how they use their their powers and they purposefully don't travel back in time through their genetic memory because they might get lost in it. So Leto is treading very lightly with his powers where Paul through potentially no choice of his own really had to go full throttle. And especially after Stoneburner basically could not turn that off and had to use it all the time. Right. Leto here is at such a young age, young in quotations, of course, he's thousands (laughs) of generations old in his head. Yeah. Yeah. He is fully aware of the mistakes his father made and is much more cautious he's walking on eggshells when it comes to prescience now when he glimpses this golden path and we mentioned it briefly before but when you're looking forward thousands of years and you see that in every one of millions of possibilities humanity is completely annihilated except for literally one there is this awareness of this okay this is the path if i care at all about humanity you know, he could have been nihilistic, I guess, and said, well, that's the shape of the universe. But no, he, he says this is the path that would lead to the survival of the species. That is the golden path. And this becomes his life goal. This consumes him. This is everything. And, and it has to be. And that's the sensation we get from Children of Dune in Leto's thought processes. Very little of that seems to be I'm ab- adopting this worm skin because I want superpowers. No. No. He needs to live for 3,000 years in order to be the tyrant that has to be to teach people that tyrants are bad. Right. I We're going to have to talk at the end of the episode about how much choice anybody in this situation has. Because how much responsibility does one have? Right. Right? Like, if you see, I don't know, some small choice in your daily life would lead to someone's death and you make that choice regardless are you responsible for their death and then blow that out to the entire species yeah it's a burden i think you have to put the worm skin on (laughs) it really is you're right he didn't just decide like oh being a worm would be kind of cool be dope he realizes over the 3500 years of his lifespan he will lose his humanity he will slowly become less human less leto and more worm yeah and he chooses to do that it's really right this is a really dumb example that i'm about to give but (laughs) if we can bring it down to the scale of potentially something we can understand right let's imagine you're standing on i don't know the corner of broadway sure there's a there's a mother she's got a baby in a stroller with her she's about to cross the street right your prescient abilities that you inherited from your father show you that if she crosses the street that baby will get hit and will die And maybe even multiple ways. You see multiple ways that tragedy occurs. But the one way to save this 
mother and child from getting hit by a car is to turn around and punch that mother in the face as hard as you can. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> hard hard enough to throw her back onto the sidewalk. Yeah. Hard enough to push the stroller off to the side. Wow. Screams everywhere. Wow. People are like, yeah. what? Why did that kid just punch that woman in the face? Yeah. And that, you know, the Ferrari zips by. No one thinks twice about it. But you're the asshole who punched a mother in her face. <laughs> No one knows you saved both of them from getting hit by a car. You're the bad guy, but it was your responsibility to do that because you saw the many ways that that mother and child would get hit by the car. I am taking this analogy way too far. We are not condoning. Do not punch. Do not punch anyone for any reason. Right. Don't. Unless, unless, Leo. Unless you're later the second. Right, exactly. I think that's the point we're making is like normally you would never make this choice because oh, yeah. nobody can see the future, but yeah. he has to make that choice. He has to punch that mother in the face. Yeah. You know, and he's an Atreides, right? He's an Atreides. Atreides are known for their loyalty, for being ostensibly like the good people yeah. in this universe. And his morality makes him choose this like horrific, horrible path of becoming god emperor and becoming a tyrant and crushing the galaxy under his thumb for generations it's it's mind-boggling right to think about and i hope my baby stroller example kind of put it in perspective <laughs> like nobody would ever choose to become a worm right nobody would ever choose to punch a mother but if you knew the alternative was so horrific and would result in so much death you would you would do that if you were a good person you would do that and late that's what leto chose right 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 but again, he's smart about it, right? Right. We talked about how using too much prescience or focusing too narrowly with your prescience can both take free will and random chance away from humanity, which Paul accidentally did, Yeah. and can also blind you to the bigger picture of free will, random chance, multiple paths. So Leto, during his reign, really only uses his prescience to... Just like check in on the golden yeah, path. Yeah. He'll he'll dial the hotline and be like, yo, are we still on the golden path? Cool. <laughs> Hang up. Is that 411? <laughs> He's like, yo, <laughs> we good? Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Right. And his prescience is like, yeah, man, thumbs up. Yeah, dog. Keep oppressing the people. And he's like, cool. <laughs> so again, to kind of bring that full circle, he's very cautious about it from day one. Right. And he's right. especially cautious about his prescience once he becomes God Emperor. And pretty much only uses it to fulfill his life's journey of saving humanity and keeping them on the golden path. Although it requires him to be the worst tyrant in human history, to subject his people to so much oppression. Right. He basically crushes humanity so much that he saves them. Right. And it's paradoxical. It's hard to imagine, but that's Leto. And he gives up. This is another kind of paradoxical truth about him. He gives up his humanity in so many ways. I mean, literally, you know, we, we read about his legs or little flippers and his everything else is, is kind of dissolving in this vat of warm skin. Yeah. His, his penis. You can say it, Leo. His, his penis uh, is no longer. <laughs> his quisach had, had smack. Yeah. But once he sort of tames his inner voices, he can kind of safely go back and live these lives of people mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of years ago, a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. a hundred years ago. He can go back and relive these lives and be there and see it and experience it. 
So, you know, he's got like the best porn subscription <laughs> anyone's <laughs> ever heard of. So he, you know, but he talks about in the book how people say, well, you can't have sex, can you? And he goes, well, I've had a lot of sex <laughs> in the last. I've had the greatest orgies in human history, literally. Every, all of it. All I've of done it, it all. <laughs> it's, I've done everything. Yeah. Twice, at least. It's wild. So, you know, that's. I mean, that's a plus side, I guess, to the Lido experience. <laughs> Man. To becoming the most hated worm god emperor of the universe. Unlimited orgies. But your porn subscription's great. <laughs> so great. But, Leo, yeah. much like porn, just memories of it doesn't replace the real thing. It's true. At, at his core, and this is what I think makes God Emperor such a special book for me. Right. Leo... Wow, Jesus, I almost said Leo. <laughs> Leto, the 3,500-year-old godworm, yeah. not Leo, my beautiful co-host, <laughs> is ultimately a tortured soul. Actually, you might be a tortured soul, too, now that I think about it. Every morning I wake up and I go, is today the day I get ultimate worm powers? <laughs> and then I go, nah. <laughs> not today. Nah, not Golden today. path tomorrow. Someday. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right, but... Leto, 3,500 years into his existence, right? Right. He's, yeah. as you would imagine, kind of bored. Yeah. He's pretty easily agitated. He's extremely arrogant. True. He's an authoritarian leader. He becomes increasingly obsessed with his legacy. He's writing those journals, knowing that people will find them in the future, and maybe will he'll be able to justify his actions to them because he realizes he'll be so hated by humanity. Yeah. That all makes sense, right? You're an all-knowing person. That'll happen to you after 3,500 years of just being this authoritarian ruler who knows everything. But at his core, Leto is a, is a tortured soul. There's this really sad anecdote from his journals where he basically explains that one day he ordered all mirrors from his citadel, his, his palace, basically. He ordered all the mirrors removed from the citadel yeah. because... He came across one, he saw his reflection in it, and he was so disgusted and horrified of what he had become, what he had chosen to become, yeah, or what he felt like he had to choose to become, yeah, that he shattered the mirror, ordered all mirrors out of the citadel. He didn't want to look at himself. And I think that is really a stark example of the burden that Leto II is stuck with. He hates what he has become. He hates that he has to do this thing. But because at his core, he's an Atreides, because at his core, he is a good person, arguably, even if the god emperor himself is this arrogant asshole tyrant. <laughs> asshole, yeah. Yeah, like total asshole. On, at his core, this choice he made to become this asshole tyrant for 3,500 years was because he's a good person. And I think that yeah. that really explains why Leto is such a compelling character and why we're spending you know, this episode talking about Paul and Leto, like these are tortured souls. Much of their choices were made before them, for them, or outside of their control. And through it all, they did the best they could with what they had, with the tools that they were given. And Leto ultimately does that. Uh, and it's crazy to think that that anecdote is, uh, you know, reading that just makes me so incredibly sad for Leto. It's heartbreaking, but he does it again. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. To keep humanity from ultimate extinction. There's this excerpt that you pulled that, if it's all right, I'd like to read. Of course. This is from his Ixian storehouse, the, the sort of first no chamber that he built on Dune, on Arrakis. And he says, 
You, the first person to encounter my chronicles for at least 4,000 years, beware. Do not feel honored by your primacy in reading the revelations of my Ixian storehouse. You will find much pain in it. I assure you that the ability to view our futures can become a bore. Even to be thought of as a god, as I certainly was, can become ultimately boring. It has occurred to me, more than once, that holy boredom is good and sufficient reason for the invention of free will. Ooh, one of my favorite quotes from that book. Ah, oh, it's so good. And it's it's a testament to Frank's writing in a lot of ways. But yeah. this is a fascinating peek inside of Leto's mind. And part of his golden path was this idea of establishing famine and establishing boredom <laughs> and peace, but a lack of freedom that then launches humanity into spreading into different parts of the universe and other universes that then leads to humanity's survival on this golden path. And even if memory serves, even his journals, which you could view as him trying to sort of redeem his character, were meant to allow the conversation about the god-emperor tyrant to be more complex than simply gosh didn't you hate that asshole yeah yeah he needed there to be evidence for a counter argument because that was the point he needed a diversification not only of genetics and this no gene that he sort of bred in siona but he also needed a diversity in opinions and thoughts he needed people to challenge one another and to think and to evolve and to try to be something more because if humanity stagnated, it would it would be wiped out. Yeah. And the the journals were part of that. It's the ultimate lesson. I mean, what a time now to transition to talking about legacy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Indeed. Yeah. And we've we've sort of already touched on this, but to sort of put a bow on our discussion about Paul and Leto right. before we get to the get to our final segment and kind of get at the core of what we've been hinting at. Their legacies, just to go over them. Right. Paul, of course, Paul Mwadib, is a prophet, a messiah, a religious figure. And by the time he passes as the preacher, by the time he's dead, he's a figure that's surrounded by just so much myth that history barely really remembers the man himself. Right. He, he's more of a figure than he is a person. And his effect on the galaxy can't be argued, right? He overthrew a 10,000-year old Carino empire right right became the emperor himself unleashed this bloody jihad and tried to rein it in and control it as much as he could failed <laughs> failed billions billions of people potentially stopped it from being like worse yeah that's true a hundred billion yeah. people you know i'm sure he reined it to <laughs> reined it in to some extent right, right, right and then of course his lasting effect on the empire the thing that will continue after him for 3500 years yeah is his son. Right. He gives his son his Kwisatz Heterach powers. His mistakes become the lessons that Leto learns to, you know, continue on the golden path and save humanity. And that becomes Paul's lasting legacy and his effect on the empire. The fact that he gave the humanity the god emperor and gave humanity the one horrible, tyrannical rule that they needed to survive all-out extinction. He is remembered by the Bene Gesserit as also the first failure. <laughs> yes, that too. Which is kind of fun to remember because it, he really is the kind of stick in the bicycle wheel spokes <laughs> of their plan. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, his his legacy again. When people talk about him in Heretics and in Chapter House, a lot of it's just he's a name that's part of history. You know, in the same way that Shaddam the Fourth is a name, right? Right. Like we talk about Jesus. Like no one is talking about like you know what was Jesus's favorite food, right? So again, Paul's legacy is ultimately his son Leto. That that's the thing he leaves for the galaxy after he passes, and then Leto, as we've already touched on many times is remembered as a god worshipped as a god some people still worship him as a god yeah and to others particularly the Bene Gesserit he's the ultimate tyrant he was the ultimate blight on the galaxy even if they have read his journals even if they potentially understand why he did it the way he went about absolutely crushing and subjugating humanity to them was inexcusable right and it's a big part of his legacy but ultimately the almost bigger part of his legacy is something that's much quieter and smaller that no one really notices until later, which is Siona. Yeah. And the fact that Siona is a blind spot for prescient beings, which then is part of this golden path where he sees this great threat come to the universe from somewhere else. Yeah. Siona and her what a thousand children of Duncan Idaho <laughs> is is a huge part of his legacy because again this is what allows humanity to dodge this threat that would that again whatever it is was going to hunt down and wipe out humanity well it can't now because of Siona and because of this again something that very few people realized until much later Siona also takes Prescient abilities out of the equation. Right. Once enough humans with the Siona gene have been born that are resistant to prescience, or at least don't show up in prescient visions, that's kind of useless, right? Like right. the power that gave Paul and Leto <laughs> yeah. such sway over the course of human history yeah. Yeah, is yeah. a moot point by the time Siona and her and her many, many uh, thousand children from <laughs> Duncan Idaho. I mean, have you seen him climb rocks? Oh my gosh. Oh. Leo, I swear, I think I orgasmed watching him. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> God bless. What a book. But you're absolutely correct, Leo, that Siona is a huge part of his legacy, kind of a quieter part. And the larger part, of course, is that 3,500 year tyrannical rule. Right. There's a particular quote that I pulled from his journals that I actually wanted to read here too, sure. which sort of like wraps up Leto and his legacy, and this quote from the journals. Believe me, the memory of Leto's peace shall abide with them forever. They will seek their quiet security thereafter only with extreme caution and steadfast preparation. Yeah. He's being sort of facetious with Leto's peace, but he's basically just saying my horrible tyrannical rule, right, humanity right. will never forget. Yeah. And then he continues in the journal and says, This is why I teach you about tyranny in the best way possible. By example. Right. Even though you read these words after a passage of eons, my tyranny will not be forgotten. Right. My golden path assures this. Knowing my message, I expect you to be exceedingly careful about the powers you delegate to any government. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's something I can get behind, Leto. Like that, again, I will argue a point later on about the best way to teach tyrannies by example. Uh, I might disagree with Leto a little bit on that, but right. that is ultimately Leto's legacy, that lesson he teaches. 
We need someone like Steven on the throne with his gross, gross shoulders. <laughs> with his gross shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. One of him. Yeah. No one's going to like him. He's going to be like <laughs> ordering people around and people are just distracted by his gross shoulders, his gross, sweaty shoulders. How is he so moist? We're in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> it's dry heat, guys. It's dry. But he's glistening. Heat. I don't understand. <laughs> God. All right, Leah, we've had an incredible discussion about Paul and Leto. Yeah. But there's this idea that you and I have been picking at, this idea of Paul and Leto as characters. Do you see Paul and Leto as tyrants, rulers, emperors in a bad way? Do you see them as reluctant heroes? Are they tragic figures? To you, who are these characters? Who are Paul and Leto and their legacy? Yeah, well, okay, let's, let's start with Paul. We'll go back and forth. Yeah. I, for both characters, but, but for, for, for Paul especially, I have a really hard time praising him or blaming him kind of for anything. Again, as I read the books, I had a really hard time seeing the moments of him really having a choice and then making a choice beyond I'm going to save the person. I'm going to, I don't know. Uh, Paul, again, it's worth reiterating, is a byproduct of so many generations of breeding and he is part of this massive Benny Gesserit plan to produce a Quisets Hatterach. Mm-hmm. It's just so tragic because again, he spends so much of his energy fighting against what exactly happens. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. he's like, well, then I got blinded. So I guess I'll just see everything until, Oh no, I can't see anything anymore. I guess I'll wander into the desert forever. Right. And then, is like a cranky old man right. yelling philosophy to what end? Right. Kind of hard to say. And then, oh no, my sister is actually a tyrant now. Fuck. She sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dies. So I loved him as a character. Along the ride, I was Team Paul 100%. Even Team Preacher. I loved Paul as the preacher. Yeah. Old Paul's great. Uh, very on board with him. I'm also, I really hope that the Phil Neuve movie goes well so that we get a Children of Dune adaptation with The Preacher. Can you imagine uh, Timothy Chalamet or some appropriately cast older actor uh, with like dirty, gritty in this like overhanging cowl and still suit? Just so good. Oh, uh, it's going to be so great. So again, with Paul, I very much see him as... Uh, the reluctant hero, absolutely tragic figure, one hundred percent, and sympathetic. I I very much found myself team Paul pretty much every step of the way, even when he was being kind of mopey in Messiah. Very mopey. But what about you? What do you think about Paul? I actually, you you basically said everything I was going to. I he's definitely <laughs> to me a very tragic figure in the Greek sense. Yeah. He even says to Chani at one point I was skimming through Dune Messiah and I found this really great quote yeah. on page 45 in my copy of the book. He says to Chani, quote, I was chosen, perhaps at birth, certainly before I had much say in it. I was chosen. Yeah. And that sums it up right there. Yeah. Jessica trained him in a way. Jessica gave birth to him in a certain way. The Bene Gesserit planned his genetics in a way. The politics of the empire. Yeah. All of these things. He didn't get to choose, right? Like, he was just thrust into. And I think the choices that Paul did make were the moral choices, the good choices, because he is our protagonist. And 
I agreed with many of the choices he made, given the context of the larger circumstances. Do I agree that a jihad should be unleashed on the galaxy in Paul's name? No. But Paul doesn't either. Right. You know, we and Paul are aligned on that. The problem is, I can close the book and be like, yep, jihad never happened. Right. Paul doesn't get to close the book. He has to live through it. And it's his burden to do what he can to tame it or control it. Right. And it's his burden to know the future, to know how his loved ones die, to know the path humanity is headed toward. And you mentioned this earlier, too. Yeah. Paul also sees the golden path and also has the choice to become a worm god. Right. But he doesn't. And I think maybe the one tragic mistake that you still can't blame Paul for is choosing not to be a worm god. That's true. Yeah. And in some sense, thrusting that responsibility on his son, who is then burdened with it. Right. That is maybe one decision by Paul that I do not agree with. Yeah. But I'm not in his shoes. Yeah. I don't have the burden of prescience. So I can't claim I would make any choices different than he did. So I agree. Tragic figure, reluctant hero. Right. I certainly don't think he was a tyrant. I think he took the throne in some sort of attempt to tame these just... (laughs) absolutely fucking wild futures he was seeing for humanity trying to fix this humanity train that was hurtling off the tracks in some way choo choo universe (laughs) right choo choo universe Uh, i agree with you on many fronts we also have the benefit of seeing paul's decisions with the hindsight because we find out about the golden path and paul having seen the golden path once we are on the ride with leto the second so there's a sort of hindsight bias that we have as readers. Yeah. Maybe the only reason the Golden Path was open for Leto II the way that it was was because Paul, with all of Paul's experience, was in Leto's conscious. Yeah. Like maybe this Golden Path has a golden gate and the key to that golden gate. A golden key. A golden key. Yeah. A, a golden ticket. <laughs> You got the golden chicken, Charlie. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Damn you, Willy <laughs> You did it, Charlie. You did it, my boy. You're a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Lord, that would be a fantastic crossover, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed your point. Golden path, golden key. The golden gates to the golden path. I'm crying. Perhaps needed a combined, the combined experience of Paul's mistakes and Paul's perspective and his having been the first person to do this and to have this experience. And then Leto having Paul's mistakes as a lesson learned and also a lesson that he learned as someone with Paul's experience and consciousness Mm, yeah i don't know they they mention of course they say in the book that paul saw the golden path and chose not to take it so that is true but i still wonder to what degree paul had that choice and whether or not he saw his own limitations in prescience and knew that because even leto mentions that he sees the golden path but it's not guaranteed right right he mentions that even though he has this incredible power, he has he can't at any moment guarantee the success of the Golden Path. Yeah. yeah. So w- if Leto can't fucking do it, why the hell would Paul be able to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, again, maybe Paul was just like, that's a shot that I 
need to take, but he suspects he's going to fail. So what else can you do? Have a kid. The gate doesn't lock forever. And maybe that son will be able to do it. Um, but speaking of the son, speaking of Leto the second, mm-hmm. do you find yourself really buying into this? He's an asshole tyrant who's kind of full of himself or do you sympathize with him? How are you feeling on the, the Leto train? Yeah, this one's tough, Leo. I, I'm very torn on Leto the second. I think with Paul, um, a bit more on his side with Leto, especially like getting into God Emperor. And once we really sort of experienced the 3,500 year old, very bored, easily agitated, <laughs> right. losing his humanity worm <laughs> God. Yeah. I found myself at some points finding it hard to sympathize with him. Yeah. And really just being like, Maneo, stab this fucker. <laughs> you know, or when Duncan tried to kill him, I was cheering for Duncan. Yeah. Which I guess is the point, <laughs> right? Like, right, right, right. Leto wants that too, right? He realizes he will eventually die. It's all part of the golden path and humanity will be released from his his lesson that he's teaching them his subjugation right so it's it's very complex and again right. it's hard to put yourself in the shoes uh i guess he doesn't wear shoes it's hard, to, <laughs> it's hard to put yourself on the suspensor truck on the suspensor truck of plato right to because i am not gonna live 3500 years and i don't have prescient <laughs> powers and you know i can't imagine how bored you have got to be after 3500 years there's a really good quote yeah why is it that foolishness repeats itself with such monotonous precision? Dude, I think the same thing every election cycle. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you think that every four years, imagine every century. <laughs> every thousand years. Every yeah. millennia when humanity continues to make the same dumbass mistakes that you're trying to teach them not to. Yeah. Over and over and over. So it, what I'm trying to say is like, to some extent, I can imagine the horrible decision that Leto the second made i can imagine how that's affecting him at the same time i think the one major issue i have with Leto is his extreme and constant cynicism about humanity yeah i'm much more optimistic about humanity and our ability to endure our ability to love our ability to care for each other and innovate and overcome challenges than i believe Leto is Leto is, again, maybe he's tapping into generations and generations of history, and, and history is proving his point. But I would disagree on, with Leto on many points when it comes to humanity's ability to overcome and grow and evolve. I think Leto is like, I got to teach these children how to like grow up. Right. And he's like, I'm the only grown up in the room. And he's got this attitude that's like hard to get behind. Yeah. I already have issues with authority figures. So I'm very much in Duncan <laughs> Idaho's camp yeah. in trying to kill him. So I'm a little more torn on Leto. I think Leto, definitely tyrant. Yeah. I think undeniably a tyrant right. in the way he rules the galaxy. Was that the only way he could teach that lesson? Maybe. I would have liked to see him try a more compassionate way yeah, and maybe not rely completely on just historical fact and his prescience. But again, I'm speaking as a normal, boring ass human <laughs> who can only live in the now. So it's a little tough to argue my ideological point against a godworm who can see everything. <laughs> uh, but I definitely don't agree with his, with his extreme cynicism. And he's definitely comes off in God Emperor. 
uh, as just like very much an, an arrogant prick who just loves to dunk his <laughs> infinite knowledge on people over and over and over. And that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I will concede he made an extremely difficult sacrifice. He took the Atreides high road. He chose to sacrifice himself, his humanity, his life yeah. in order to do the one thing that would save humanity. I recognize that. Right. I just wish he hadn't been such an asshole about it. <laughs> <laughs> you you talk about, you know, a hundred years, a thousand years, you know, what is that like to try to teach a lesson and for it to not be learned over 3000 years? Yeah. We miss that. We miss a lot of that because we go from the end of Children of Dune. He's again, he's like a kid still, basically. Yeah. And then when we pick up God Emperor, it's been thousands of years. So weirdly, I think about like zookeepers and pandas. You know how like pandas refuse to mate with one another? You know about this? I knew they were endangered. Didn't know about the mating thing. Yeah. I know that now. We cannot get pandas to breed with one another. They have pandas in captivity and they're going, we want them to breed because the, the, the species is dying. Oh, wow. They become more and more irate where they're just like, these fucking pandas. <laughs> don't <laughs> Let us help you. Right, right. Let us help you fucking get it on we've been playing <laughs> al green for days and nothing god uh. this is objectively sex music you dumb <laughs> dumb pandas we've done the math the meters all read sex why are you not so i weirdly i think about that you know leto has been handed the keys to the human zoo and he's in charge of humanity and he's going guys you can't be stagnant you can't just rely on the same figureheads over and over again. And for 3,000 years, everybody goes, well, we should just do nothing. And he's going, fucking come on, guys. <laughs> you know, so when we pick up with him, I have a really hard time evaluating Leto II for all of the reasons you pointed out. Again, like I'm seeing him almost through the perspective of this new Duncan Idaho. And there's this vast experience of discovery and rediscovery of this character who I thought I knew. And now he's an asshole <laughs> pranking people absurdly and we do get a lot of his internal thoughts and there does seem to be some wiggle room around what he can and can't do that does or does not affect the golden path and it does seem like he's choosing many times to just fuck with people <laughs> yeah because because he can and it's not going to jeopardize the golden path but can i really blame him because again pandas the pandas aren't fucking Dude, the pandas aren't fucking. And we've been trying. Al Green. Al Green. 3,000 years. F-U-C-K. Pandas. Yeah. Come on. So can I really blame him? I haven't walked a mile in his shoes, or in this case, I haven't rolled 10 kilometers on his suspenser thing. I haven't f thrown my floppy body around <laughs> in, his, in his skin, in his worm skin, trademark pending. So... I don't know. In his defense, he is guiding the universe down one path without really using prescience that much, which is kind of wild. Yeah. All of this is to say he's an asshole, but I kind of love him for it. At the end of the day, he saves humanity. I don't know. Something I just kind of love a tyrant who will take a moment to just fucking dunk on some haters. <laughs>
just to absolutely wreck right. some of his naysayers in just a pointless yeah. conversation. Just, just a little golden path sidestep, you know, just a little, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a step off the beaten path here to dunk on the Betty Jesuit for a hot just second. Just prank him. I agree. He's a, he's a compelling character, right? And we said this at, earlier in the episode too. Frank wrote these incredibly compelling characters that you can love, you can hate, but you cannot deny the fact that they are written so well, that they are so complex, yeah. that we, you know, you and I have spent over an hour talking about them, and you know, we've barely graced yeah. the surface. There are so many more quotes I wanted to pull out and drop on you all, and <laughs> you know, I wanted to hit you, Leo, like Leto hits the Benny Gesserit. Oh, with that infinite wisdom, baby. Yeah, it's infinite wisdom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, we had to just scratch the surface in this discussion, and even then. I think the conclusion we can come to is that you can't just call these characters, Paul and Leto, good guys or bad guys. They're complex. They make decisions. Some of them are wrong. Some of them are right. Their intentions are pure. But the world and the universe and the galactic empire, complex. Pando's fucking, complex. (laughs) Steven's gross shoulders, complex. (laughs) (laughs) No, those are just gross, Leo. It's a desert. It's a dry heat. Why is he moist? Dry heat. (laughs) Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.